This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. This is Football Social Daily. Three games to go with the Premier League season. Just three chances for clubs to try and stave off the spectre of relegation. Saints could sink if they lose on the banks of the Thames. Everton could plummet back into the bottom three as they face league leaders Manchester City. But only if Big Sam can see off his old side Newcastle as new club leads languish below the dotted line. So much to play for still and so much to discuss on today's FSD. It's a Friday, so we do Fast 3. We pick three matches of special interest across the weekend with just five minutes to discuss them. My name's Niall. Welcome along to Football Social Daily. This is an award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sport Social team. And our panel today, this Friday morning, the usual suspects of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How are you doing, boys? Good morning. Yes. Close to the end of the season now. It uh, seems to have flown in, but also dragged on at the same time. Like It seems to have approached really quickly, but when you think back and there's been the World Cup and there's been mm. Conte and Tuchel and Scott Parker as managers, and you just think there's so much happened this season, it's mad. Yeah, August is what? Nearly 10 months ago now. So you can understand why you know that Scott Parker tenure at Bournemouth... The first three or four games losing 9-0 feels like ages ago, simply because it was ages ago. And then you've got an extra 100 games to the World Cup, like you said. I think as well, because I support an EFL club, that season is over now and there's another two, three weeks to go to the Premier League. So it, it does feel like in my head that the season is basically over. But there's still, as we've said, so much to, to decide. Both ends of the table, relegation, Joel, top four, still a title even. Could still could still see a change there. I know match day twenty match day twenty six match day thirty six. Can't believe it's already upon us. But the good thing is, I know in recent seasons the relegation battles already been done prior to the mm. last game of the season. So hopefully all these teams can start getting a few draws and losses here and there, and we can get a bit of a dramatic deadline day kind of Premier League where they have oh there's been a goal at Nottingham Forest, and then we have to keep going back and forward. So. Let's hope for a bit more of a dramatic one in the recent seasons. But yeah, I mean, the title's up for grabs, top four's up for grabs. 
everything's up for grabs. To be fair, it's been a while since we've seen like a great escape, like you said. You know, relegation mm. could go three or four ways on the final day. We haven't seen that for a long time. But in all fairness to last season, Liverpool and Manchester City, that went down to the last day, didn't it? And, you know, City were losing at Aston, against Aston Villa and then came back and, you know... You just reminded me of that beautiful um, fake announcement. Well, you know, the fake rumour that got uh, put around Anfield that, um, <laughs> that Aston Villa had scored again <laughs> and everyone just started screaming for no reason in the stadium even though nothing had happened that is how oh, mass hysteria works nothing nothing <laughs> will get close to the time when Man United beat Sunderland 1-0 in 2012 oh, and then all, all stood around like did we win it did we win it and then <sighs> the the slow realisation on everyone's faces that Aguero had scored in probably the greatest Premier League moment of all time and then just seeing Manchester United Hearts break was just beautiful. Well, thanks for that, Marley. <laughs> Ferguson was chewing his chewing gum so hard it may as well have been a lump of tar because yeah. he was chewing it so hard, like anxious about whether Manchester United had won the league. Ten years it's been since Manchester United won the league. United trying to get into the top four. Newcastle also trying to get into the top four. And incidentally, that is where we're going to start on today's episode of Football Social Daily. That game at Elland Road between Leeds United and Newcastle United, where both teams do need a result for different reasons. If you've never joined us on a Friday before, this is how it works. We pick three games and we give Joel and Marley just five minutes between them to discuss the big talking points from that specific match. Once the timer is over and the buzzer sounds, then they have to move on. Leeds against Newcastle. Newcastle need a result to get closer to securing Champions League football. Leeds United need a result to try and secure survival in the Premier League. From a Leeds perspective, Marley, and I know you're a Newcastle fan, is this a good or bad time for them to play Newcastle? Newcastle lost at the weekend against Arsenal. Is there going to be an element of nervousness around Ellen Road? I would say so, yeah. Um, If you were trying to pick a team that you've got to beat at home, in front of the TV cameras when you absolutely need to. You you wouldn't pick, you know, a team fighting for third and fighting for a Champions League place, you know. Um, especially because like, Newcastle have done really well at bouncing back this season when we've, when we've lost a game. We've came back fighting, like, playing really well the next game. Um, so for Leeds, it's going to be a case of... Like, the atmosphere will be fantastic. But the... You know, the way you sort of um, capitalise on, on an atmosphere is the the team needs to rise to it and the opposition need to, to you know, go, go a bit weak and, and make mistakes. I think Newcastle this season have been too good to do that and Leeds haven't been strong enough to put in a 90-minute performance to get them over the line yet and that's what Big Sam needs to do. Um but for me, the the work he's got to do to to uh, shore up that defence in time for the the final three games against Newcastle, who've scored six, five, and four in in recent weeks, uh, is is too. It should be too big. Um, and Newcastle have good experience of of playing in raucous atmospheres. Our home games are are incredible, um, and our the away game, the atmosphere isn't going to bother them as much as it would a team in the mid-table mediocrity well that's the thing and that's what I wanted to come on to you spoke about Leeds defence there and they're up against a Newcastle side who have started games in the last few months like an absolute steam train they came out and battered Spurs scored loads of goals early on you know first 20 minutes 
they tend to come out and create five or six chances in that 20 minute period by which point if you lead United if you've already conceded twice inside half an hour you're pretty much done aren't you Joel the game's over and talking of you know a big atmosphere at Ellen Road no doubt the supporters will want to get behind their team to give them the best possible chance of getting a win to try and stay in the Premier League but if Newcastle come out of the traps like they have been doing and score once twice inside the first 25 minutes Leeds may as well just write it off yeah, and we know that Leeds are really susceptible to those massive thumpings. I mean, they've taken some pretty heavy beatings in the last month or so, and then Newcastle have been giving them out in the last month or so. Obviously, they had that slight blip against Arsenal um, last weekend, which I know it'll dent the momentum a little bit, but I wouldn't. if I was a Newcastle fan, I wouldn't be you know, too concerned with it because either way, the gaining pack behind you know, Manchester United and Newcastle, well, namely Liverpool, they're in such good form at the moment that you can't really <laughs> pave them off until you just keep winning your own games. And I think for Leeds, especially Sam Allardyce, well, this is his chance to put himself amongst Guardiola and Klopp by doing a bit of a decent performance on uh, well tomorrow. But for Leeds as well, I think you know when they played against City in their last game, everyone was expecting them to you know concede a good four, five, six goals and the fact that they just remained in the game and they were in or thereabouts should give them a little bit of confidence but when you look at Leeds's remaining games as well, I was just looking at the stipulations of it all and I mean if they play West, well they play West Ham after this game and the fact that it could potentially mean that West Ham are already safe, then that's even better. And then if they play Tottenham after that and they've got nothing to play for, even better. So I think it's just the perfect stipulations for them. I think one thing that we need to take into consideration, though, from a Leeds perspective, Marley, is if they beat Newcastle United at Ellen Road on Saturday in the early kickoff, Everton at three o'clock have to take on Manchester City, who are top of the table. And many people will be expecting Manchester City to beat Everton, as you'd understand with where the two sides are in the table. So with that in mind, just how big a game is it for Leeds? Because a win puts Everton back in the bottom three ahead of that game against Manchester City. Psychologically massive. Um, firstly, Leeds have just got to win a game. Like that's That'd be as big for them as, as anything. Not necessarily the, the pressure of putting Everton on and, and what have you, because you know, they've got to take care of their own business first. It's irrelevant what Everton do against Man City. Everton could lose 9-0 to Man City, but if you've lost 1-0 to Newcastle, you're still in trouble. Um, So they've got to get that done first. Like I say, it'll be hard because, um, you know, Newcastle have very recent experience of going to an away game where the team desperately needs points, uh, talking about the Everton game, and the atmosphere is raucous, and the place was empty after 75 minutes, because the, the Newcastle coped with it, soaked it up, and, and played the team that was on the pitch. Um, and Leeds need, to, Leeds, Leeds need to be above that level. They need to look at what Everton did against Newcastle, and be like, well, we can't do that. And the fans as well, the fans need to be on the side for 90 minutes. I, I had to go at Everton a few weeks ago. Because they just didn't get behind the the, cl- the team for the full 90 minutes. And that's what Leeds should do. Well done, Marley. Just beating the buzzer there. Didn't really get a chance to speak about Newcastle. You kind of hinted in the office yesterday. Liverpool coming up strong. Manchester United are also kind of hovering in that fourth spot. You've lost a couple now in recent weeks. You, you a little bit anxious about top four? Uh, my, my mind says no. But my, but my body. body is telling me yes. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I keep mentioning it, don't I? Alison's header against bloody West Brom two years ago, or three years ago, whatever it was. 
and Liverpool yeah, timed yeah. their run perfectly. Um, I, I'm, They've got I that am, about them. They can put runs together. That. Yeah, I can understand that being a Newcastle fan. All right, that's the early kickoff in the Premier League this weekend. Speaking of Liverpool, they've got Leicester City on Monday night. Lots of eyes are going to be on Leicester. The sole game on Monday, they will know what the results are from the other Premier League games across the weekend by the time that Monday night fixture comes around. But the other two games we're going to talk about also involve teams at the bottom of the table. Everton take on Manchester City, as we've already touched upon, whilst Fulham will look to try and beat Southampton to condemn the Saints to the Championship. We'll talk about it after this on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is FSD. It's Friday, so we're doing Fast 3. We've already boxed off Leeds versus Newcastle. And now Joel and Marley will have just five minutes to pick apart Everton against Manchester City. The Toffees are back at Goodison Park after being down on the south coast against Brighton, where they put in an outstanding performance. They scored five and beat them 5-1. They scored 10% of their goals, I think, that they had scored all season. Uh, Maybe even more than that, actually, uh, in the first half against Brighton at the Amex. The chances of them repeating that feat against Manchester City are very, very slim. Maybe because it's Premier League football and you never know, Joel, but it's very, very unlikely we're going to see Everton take on Manchester City, even though it's at Goodison, and beat them in the same way. I was included in many, many people as well, beating Brighton 5-1. I mean, just on the back of Brighton, putting in the absolute performance of their life against Manchester United in grinding out a 1-0 victory I mean seems to happen every year with everyone's cup final against United but I mean for Everton that'll be I don't know if it'll come as a surprise because they've started to not grind out results but they become slightly more difficult to beat obviously bar the Newcastle game but you know getting a few draws here and there then obviously this massive victory against you know let's let's not forget a very impressive Brighton side who I can't remember the last time they got battered that way in terms of conceding so many goals because they usually control the game in every single corner of the pitch which means that they're really not susceptible to any kind of goal threat like especially five goals Uh, but for Everton I've always said and I've said it's for the last few weeks now even against this Manchester City side where everyone might think well they've got the Real Madrid game to focus on they've got the FA Cup final to focus on I mean let's not forget the team the players they didn't play at the Bernabeu were the likes of Foden, Alvarez Mares is basically a second team of players coming in against them. And for Everton, they've got Wolves after that and Bournemouth. And they're the two sides who are pretty much next to them. Obviously, Bournemouth are pretty much there or thereabouts safe. But they're the two teams that you would think are more likely to get some more points from. And I think for Everton as well, the fact that they also beat Arsenal uh, at home earlier in the season, just a, a couple of months ago, actually. Everton's always been a place where when the going gets tough in terms of needing points, regardless of where they are in the season, it can become a special place, but everything needs to be in harmony in terms of the fans and in terms of the players. But for Manchester City, I mean, it just seems like nothing really phases the team, to be honest. I want to try and hype up the the atmosphere and the, the occasion, but I mean, City have just gone and done a pretty good performance at Real Madrid. And they'll be doing another one again at Everton. And also for Manchester City as well, it's incredible incentive to go four points ahead of Arsenal just prior to Arsenal playing Brighton two hours later. So it is one of those kind of early psychological blows where Arsenal have to react regardless. But I think for Everton, even if they don't get a result against City, I mean, a draw would be an amazing result, I think. But that Wolves and Bournemouth game, 
they're the ones which are going to dictate if they stay in the Premier League or not, I think. Yeah, Wolves mathematically safe, Bournemouth safe all but on goal difference really at the moment so those two sides won't really have a great deal to play for you'd imagine by the time Everton do face them but from a Manchester City perspective Joel's already said it they had a mentally challenging 90 minutes midweek in the Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid away at the Bernabeu is that going to affect them here at Goodison Park can Everton maybe capitalise on that somehow? I'm not not entirely sure how it's gonna gonna work but Man City have a very you know, a lot of experience of, of playing twice in a few days and having a, a game sandwiched between, you know, the the main business of the season and Man City in a title race is, is staggering. You know, they, they don't let up. They haven't took their boot off anybody's throat in the past five years. You know, this will be the fourth league in five in five years if they uh, if they do go on and win it. So I can see them just making this a bit of a, a non-starter of a game really and, and just playing Everton off the pitch really and um and, and it'll be as you were but you know Everton have to have to hope that they, they maybe they rest Haaland and maybe Alvarez doesn't come in and, and pick up pick up where Haaland left off and that kind of thing but it's um it's a big ask. Seth I think Everton did themselves a massive favour against Brighton obviously. Um but to back that up is is a really, really tall task. Obviously, Manchester City know if they slip up, they let Arsenal back into the title race. Yeah, massive, yeah. Um, I can't see it happening. I think it'll be as you were. Everton with a tough task to take on Manchester City, even though it is at Goodison Park. But as I say, they will know the result of that Leeds-Newcastle game before kickoff, and City will know that if they lose, they do let Arsenal back in with a sniff of clinching the Premier League title. One side who know that losing simply isn't an option this weekend are Southampton as they travel to Craven Cottage to take on Fulham. They simply have to win or the Saints' 11-year stay in the Premier League is over, Joel. The question is, will they beat Fulham this weekend? I mean, honestly, I don't even think it matters if they do or if they don't because I just think they're just so far away at the moment in terms of, you know, Everton are already eight points away from them and to make that up in the final three games it's, yeah, it's, you it's need just, to hope that Everton lose them all is it just a case of them being put out of the misery it's damage limitation at this point they have to just go out with a little bit of pride and a little bit of respect because they've been in the Premier League for over a decade now which is impressive and you know they brought I saw a Southampton fan do a really uh, emotional montage of Southampton's last decade in the Premier League where you just forgot about all those you know Pochettino moments and Ricky Lambert getting in the England squad and you know they've provided a lot for the Premier League in the last 10 years but in the last two to three years it's just started to peter out and they've lost their direction and their way that they so impressively started in the league with but yeah it's over for them isn't it this is a case of just trying to start preparing for life in the championship next season which is the unfortunate place that they see themselves in I mean I wonder if keeping Harsen Hootel might have changed things this season because their managerial acquisitions were really questionable this year um, the fact that they stuck with him after two 9-0 defeats is something that is I don't think we'll ever see again. I don't know if I'm talking about the 9-0 or the fact that they kept a manager after such a difficult period, but yeah, that, that that's the situation they find themselves in. We said it at the start of the season where had they shot themselves Sorry in the to foot. cut you off. Don't you think that is absolutely insane? We're talking about a team that's been beaten 9-0 twice in like three years in the Premier League and the manager didn't get sacked. 
Yeah, and he still did a pretty good job after them, though. Because that one, that the first nine niller against Leicester, Hasenhutl still was really consistent with them. It was the second one that almost kind of gave the blow, and I knew you would uh, emphasise that now. I wonder why. Uh, but I think at the start of the season, we all raised the question marks that they met because you know they started raiding the Manchester City academy. Uh, they got some really good young players like Bella Kochap and uh, Romeo Lavia, and they've been both really impressive. But we said, is that enough without the? quality experience next to them are they the ones that you would add you know to a Brighton side who have got a really fixed setup and then you add those players rather than those guys being the ones that have to keep you in the Premier League because those guys are going to get sniped in the summer because Romeo Lavia has been one of the most impressive midfielders in the league this season I think but it's too little too late now and I think I think they have the means to come back back up next season but it just depends on if they can hold on to those talented youth players because there is they have got a good crop of talent but it's just not enough I'm not sure I agree with Lavia being the one of the best midfield players in the league this season maybe under 21 one of the most impressive one of the most impressive under a certain age having a break yeah that's um that's something that's worth thinking about I suppose I guess that loss to Forest last week was the killer blow but you could argue for Southampton Marley the damage was done way before that Joel talks about Ralph Hasenhurtl the decision to sack him was a controversial one but maybe some might argue that his tenure had run its course but was it the decision to appoint Nathan Jones as his successor that really turned the tables against Southampton yeah I think so um you look for turning points in seasons when teams go down, there's no bigger one than appointing, you know, a guy who never managed outside the championship and had never succeeded outside of Luton Town um, as the the main thing. I know he did brilliantly at Luton and, and fair play to him, you know, well done. But the way he was, was, was strange. He was saying all the wrong things in, in press conferences. He was coming across as a bit of a, a bit of a divvy. Um, and he was gone within three months, and it's just wasted a, a third of the season. You know, the season's only nine months, so I can hear it in my head. In him in his next job interview with whatever club it is, if Luton get promoted to the Premier League through the playoffs, I can hear him saying to whichever chief executive he's talking to, "That's my team. I built that team. That's my Luton. I should have the promotion on my CV, etc., etc." It just seemed quite interesting that Luton could be in the Premier League without Nathan Jones and almost like their new manager has taken them on to another level again a bit like what we saw I guess Potter Deserby Deserby's kind of elevated them again onto the next level uh, from a Fulham perspective though just quickly Joel they scored five against Leicester in their last game they're going to be full of confidence particularly at home yeah and a great season for them they're just in the summertime mode now aren't they they've done all the hard work earlier on in the season even without Mitrovic for a good third of the season after his long suspension um, and you know to grind out good results in the past I know it's been quite inconsistent but yeah they're in holiday mode cruise control doesn't matter it's, it's a successful season yeah they've done well Fulham you have to give them credit there was a chance they could get into Europe at one stage alright that kind of rounds up today's Friday Fast 3, Fulham versus Southampton, the final game we discussed. But the other matches that we haven't talked about that are happening this weekend on today's podcast, Chelsea against Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa against Spurs, Manchester United against Wolves and Crystal Palace against Bournemouth at all three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday, Brentford take on West Ham, who I think are 2-1 up after the first leg of their Europa Conference League semi-final against AZ Alkmaar last night. Arsenal play Brighton at 4.30 on Sunday, whilst on Monday, as we've already discussed, 
Leicester City welcome Liverpool to King Power Stadium. So here's how the table looks. We'll start at the bottom. Southampton must win against Fulham. Otherwise, they are relegated to the Championship, ending their 11-year stay in the Premier League. They have just 24 points. That is now a significant distance from safety. Leeds above them, six points ahead in 19th on 30 points. Leicester in 18th, also on 30 points. There is a two-point gap to 17th, where Everton sit. Nottingham Forest the 16th on 33. And then you've got a four-point gap to West Ham. And 15th at the top end of the table, Manchester City still lead the way, 82 points, one game fewer, and one point more than Arsenal in second, who have got 81. Newcastle United are third on 65, two points ahead of Manchester United, who are fourth on 63. But both of Newcastle and Manchester United have played a game less than Liverpool, who are hot on their heels, 62 points after 35 games. And that's pretty much all you need to know heading into the weekend's Premier League fixtures. Marley, Joel, hope you have a good weekend. Have we got any Sunday league to look forward to this weekend, Marley? Yeah, last uh, last game of the season this weekend for for us. But we're doing positions and and um, names out of a hat to see who starts this weekend. So I've actually got a chance in starting. <laughs> if you don't get picked, I'm, I swear to God, is is something going on there? There's something. Going so you've got like a fifty percent chance of starting, but it might be in goal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could genuinely. So if we have we have two things. You pick your name out of a you pick. Uh, a piece of paper out of a hat, if it's got your name on it, you're in the starting 11, then there's another hat, and that has 11 positions on it. Um, so you could pick, oh, Marley, yeah, brilliant, I'm starting, and then you pick What's out the next one. What's the position you don't want? Anything, anything except up front. <laughs> the, I can imagine the, you getting centre-half or something, it'd be a disaster. Well, we're playing bottom of the league, so even centre-half wouldn't be that bad, but in goal would be horrendous, because number one, I can't touch a crossbar. Uh, num- <laughs> number two, I'd be bored, because we should win easily whoever we play I know they're bottom of the league but the disrespect well, <laughs> I wouldn't be trying to dink you from the they might not turn up they might not even turn up you never know but yeah <laughs> what just day down the pub yeah we'll go down the pub afterwards regardless so yeah oh All god good. Well, lock up your daughters and wives on uh, on Sunday afternoon then lads <laughs> <laughs> the front Sunday league lads are out <laughs> All right, nice one, boys. Thanks for listening this week to Football Social Daily as well, wherever you've been tuned into the show from. I know there are listeners to this podcast from all over the world, and we really appreciate your support as we hone in towards the end of the season. We've got some cool stuff coming up for you, not just between now and the end of the season, but also through the summer as well. So stay in the loop. Hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. All of the transfer gossip through the summer we'll be talking about as well. And it is nearly upon us. The final day, the curtain core of the Premier League season is only a matter of weeks away. We'll be with you every step of the way here on FSD. Have a great weekend and we'll see you the other side. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.